Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome into Nuggets Numbers. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Tuesday morning as I get you into this wonderful day. Weather has really turned here in Denver. It's been great. Uh, Hopefully the snow is done, but knowing Colorado, it just kind of does whatever the hell it wants. Uh, March is usually one of the snowiest months of the year, but here's hoping it's different. Here's hoping we, we get into an early spring. The Nuggets finally seemed to find their groove a little bit last night, and while Nikola Jokic wasn't great, he was engaged, he was involved, the shot didn't fall for him as it usually does, but the Nuggets got their win, Jamal Murray looked great. We will talk all about all of that, but the first couple of things, I've got a couple of notes here. The Denver Stiffs are hosting another watch party in combination with the Denver Nuggets, This one's going to be Friday, March 13th. That is this Friday at College Inn. There are going to be some prizes, drink specials. We've got some games going on. If you went to the last watch party against the Los Angeles Clippers that we held at Stoney's, it was wonderful. Had a really fun time. This is going to be another fun one. The Nuggets are going to play the Spurs. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I will be there. I will try and maybe I'll even have some socks to give away at that one. We will uh, we will see about that. But as as with the socks, we had a really great first week for our give or for our charity event with Hope Kids Colorado. Had a really good time partnering with them, and it's still going on. We're still going to be selling a bunch of tickets. So if you can, please donate. Please, it's it is super important especially with the coronavirus looking the way it is we may not have another opportunity for sporting events and and things may move quickly so i would really hope to see these kids be able to enjoy a game uh, and it's going to be this april 5th against the utah jazz really hope that they can they can get into that one but if if you can let's get as many of those families in as we possibly can uh, they're dealing with cancer, life-threatening illnesses, uh, being very separated because of their conditions. It's it's always nice to give them a little bit of hope, give them a little bit of fun. So make sure to check that out. Make sure to check out denverstiffs.com. Buy our socks with hoop swag. Had a good time. I gave one of them away at the game today and was very happy to do so. And I will try to give out more. So keep your eyes peeled for that. This episode of Nuggets Numbers, first segment is going to be recapping this Milwaukee game. There's not a ton to take away from this game, but there were some interesting things that I think we should talk about. Uh, Second segment will be about Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic as the first and second options on a championship team. 
uh, whether that's even viable, whether that's something that the Nuggets can really hope to achieve with those guys as options number one and number two. I want to get into that a little bit. And then the last segment I'm going to talk about going forward, talk about the rest of the Nuggets schedule. I think it's important to stop and take a look at what's going on around us. Figure out, okay, hey, the Nuggets are 43-21. and 21. They've got 18 games left to go. How are those going to work? What is it going to look like? So we will get into that in time. But this first segment, as I said, going to be recapping this Milwaukee game. I was in the building. It was a lot of fun. The building, especially after that Jamal Murray dunk that was somehow called a foul on him, an offensive foul that went another way. That was atrocious. It was one of the worst calls I've ever seen. Uh, I was I was frankly upset, and you're not supposed to show a bunch of emotions on press row. Uh, it looked it was bad. <laughs> it was it was really tough not to to glower a little bit. So, but that really woke up the crowd. The crowd clearly felt affronted for Jamal Murray that he was not given that poster dunk that was that was clearly a baptism ascending to the shadow realm of DJ Wilson. Uh, it was wonderful. I think it's probably Jamal's best dunk of his career. Um, but he looked like a superstar out there. He really did. He carried himself that way. He drew a lot of attention from the Bucks, and he navigated it very well, I thought. There were several heat check moments that he had, and some of them went in, some of them didn't. But he finished the game with a, a reasonable stat line. It wasn't outlandish of 21 points, 6 assists, 5 rebounds, 4 turnovers, probably from just playing a little bit too much, trying to trying to do a little bit too much with the ball. Uh, shot 3 of 6 from 3, and if you know, I think 6 is the magic number for the number of 3-pointers he has to hit in a game. Uh, not Not make, but at least attempt. And the Nuggets as a whole, they did a really good job of spacing the floor tonight. They shot 16 of 41, which is 39%. And it's very rare when the Nuggets hit 16 threes that they actually lose a game. Let me check that number for you real quick because I think that's actually a pretty interesting thing. Let's go to the game logs. And if my internet would work, I am clearly stalling. So the Nuggets have only hit seven, or 16 threes a total of 12 times now. And they're 10 and 2. So when they get hot, they generally win because it doesn't happen very often and they do such a good job of of getting to the paint and working the mid-range really well that opponents just aren't prepared for when the Nuggets go off from three. It doesn't happen very often and weirdly enough, it happens more frequently on the road than it does at home. But it's going to be interesting to see whether they can sustain that because a lot of the games that they have done it against uh, they've actually done it against Milwaukee twice, which I think is fascinating. But most of the teams are New York, Portland, Memphis is kind of a low-tier playoff team. Brooklyn's a low-tier playoff team. Portland again, San Antonio, Golden State, Portland again, Memphis again. Uh, so most of the time, it's against bad defenses. It's against bad teams. Against good teams, they really struggle to space the floor, and that's... One of the concerns that I have for them as a playoff contender going forward, they have to continue to shoot the ball. It's very rare that they screw around and don't do well when they don't shoot the ball. Um, let's take a look at the magic number here. Yeah, 28 threes attempted seems to be the magic number because whenever they do that, they've done it now 42 times. 
I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. So they're twenty-eight and thirteen when they attempt twenty-eight threes. Uh, that's a pretty good percentage. That's a pretty good number, and that's just attempted threes. If you can guarantee me that you play well when you just shoot that many threes, I would say do it every time. I think that's something that they should continue to work towards, and I know it's hard without Malik Beasley anymore, without Juancho Hernan Gomez, and those guys, they, they space the floor as well as they do. But I'm not as concerned about it. I think that they'll eventually figure it out, and Gary Harris seems to be really coming along well. That's another point from this game that we should talk about. Let's talk about Gary Harris. 5 of 9 from the from the field, 3 of 4 from 3, 15 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, 2 turnovers. That's about as good of a, of, a, of a game as you can get from a fifth option. He is the fifth option on this starting unit. He takes the least shots takes the least, he has the least usage, doesn't usually turn the ball over a ton because he doesn't handle the ball a ton. He did have an egregious turnover tonight where he tried to throw a behind-the-back pass from the corner blind, and he threw it into the backcourt, and it turned into a dunk on the other end. Uh, Michael Malone was very unhappy about that, but overall, he's played a lot of mistake-free basketball. He's done pretty well, even when he gets to the rim. He did shoot a couple of floaters today that didn't go in, and that's something that we have to talk about. But the Bucks are good, and Robin Lopez is a good defender, and he does a really good job of walling off the paint. So sometimes you have to take a floater. But I really do think that this version of Gary Harris, it's coming back. It's, it's clearly coming back. This is a, a string of games now where Gary Harris has really started to acquit himself of the early season struggles. Let's look at his last few games, because if he had 15 tonight, uh, his last several games ever since, well, let's let's go with uh, the All-Star break. So, he has played nine games, and one, two, three, four, this is his fifth game in double figures, but most of the time he's shooting pretty efficiently. Most of the time he's at least over 40% from the field, which is, you can't have those stinkers. You can't have the the one for sevens. He did have one of those against Oklahoma City, and he didn't have a great game against the Clippers, and it was two for six. But other than that, he's been really good. He's been very efficient, and it's hard to hate on what he's done so far, especially coming out of the All-Star break. And you, you have to wonder whether a lot of that is just the pressure that he was feeling from behind him. Malik Beasley is a good player. And there were a lot of people clamoring for Malik Beasley to be played over Gary Harris. A lot of people clamoring for Michael Porter Jr. right now to be playing over Gary Harris. When you get past the deadline, and Gary Harris is a professional, he understands, but he's also a human. He knows that there was a chance that the Nuggets would deal him. He knows that there's a chance that he could be gone. This is the only team that he's ever been with. This is the only organization that he's ever known in the NBA. So removing that pressure, it wouldn't surprise me if that really sparked things for him. Uh, ever since February 10th, that's going back 11 games now, he has hit a three in, uh, well, actually, is it 11 games? Yeah, it's 11 games. He's hit in nine of those 11 games, he's hit at least one three. That's an important number. That says to me that he's growing a little bit more confident, getting a little bit more consistency, and that's all you can ask for. If he can hit 40% of his threes and 50% of his twos 
and just do that as a consistent supporting option for what Denver needs their creators to do, that's all you can really ask of the guy. He plays good defense. It's not it's not like overwhelming defense like guys like uh, Kawhi Leonard and Drew Holiday and guys like that can play, but he's good. And you don't take for granted the best def- the best perimeter defender on the team. I think that's that would be dumb. So he has to be out there. He has to be good, and he has been good so far. Uh, Nikola Jokic, he wasn't really a scorer tonight, but he did everything else. I don't want to spend a lot of time on Nikola Jokic. We'll talk about him in the next segment. But I don't really worry about this. I think he's going to come out of this, and this will be a distant memory in about two weeks. So don't fret over Nikola Jokic not looking his best right now. He knows when to turn it on. He knows when to hit that next gear. I I have full faith in that. Uh, Jeremy Grant and Paul Millsap each had good games. They each shot well from three as well. Uh, Paul Millsap had 20 points on 15 shots, and he hit three threes. 10 rebounds, that's a good number for him, in 21 minutes. So the Nuggets did a really good job of of matching, <coughs> excuse me, of matching Milwaukee's physicality. And it's it's not always, they don't always do that very well. So it was good to see there. Um, and then Jeremy Grant off the bench. In 29 minutes, he had six rebounds. That's a good number. 19 points, hit three threes himself. He had a massive alley-oop in transition that Jamal Murray, I thought he threw it too high, but Jeremy Grant just kept rising and threw it down. That was really important. Those are really important plays for swinging the momentum. And the momentum definitely swung on that play. The, the building was rocking at that point. So Denver had enough of those that they made it work. And that was that was really the important thing from tonight. You just kind of get through the game. They, they won by 14. It's really hard to argue with that. Could they have won by 25? Could they have won by 30? Yeah, probably. I mean, if, if Nikola Jokic hits a couple more threes, if, if let's say, uh, Will Barton doesn't get called for two random palming turnovers for some reason, then things probably look a little bit different. And, and Kyle Korver was hitting a lot of threes. He was hitting some crazy shots and attempting even crazier ones. So if that doesn't happen then things look a little bit different. But Milwaukee attempted 53s tonight. Like when you when you do that you're going to you're going to stay in games because that's just how math works. So credit to the Nuggets for doing well. Uh this is a tough game to play, especially there's a there's a massive letdown factor that you usually have in these situations when Giannis doesn't play, Chris Middleton doesn't play, Eric Bledsoe, Brook Lopez, even Dante DiVincenzo, I would have liked to see him. But you can't have it always, and I think Denver just kind of wants a win. They kind of they were pretty happy to take this win. The mood in the locker room tonight was pretty jolly, was pretty good. Most of that is probably because the media is not going to be in the locker room from now on. Uh, that's due to coronavirus stuff, so keep in mind that Denver Stiffs will probably have to change up its coverage a little bit. But we will see how that goes. We will try to give you guys the best stuff. Uh, That's enough from this game. When we come back, I want to talk about Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. Kind of some long-term stuff from them because there are some questions. We'll be right back.
Alright, we're back. This is Nuggets Numbers. I am Ryan Blackburn, your host. Uh, let's talk about Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, because a lot has been made of Denver's duo, and whether you can win a championship with them as the first and second best player, respectively, on the team. Uh, most of the time, especially lately, the second best player on a team, a championship team, has been really good. Basically, Hall of Fame caliber good. Uh, whether that's Steph Curry or Kevin Durant, depending on which one you care for. Uh, whether that's Kyrie Irving when, when LeBron won one. Whether that's Dwayne Wade. Or whether that's one of Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, Kawhi Leonard, or Tim Duncan, depending on who you care for on the San Antonio Spurs. I think that the title of first and second best and third best is a little bit overstated. I think you have to have a number one guy. And unless you are the 2013-2014 the Spurs who played the most beautiful brand of basketball that will ever be played and also had great defense to boot, uh, you're not going to beat that. But you have to have a number one guy, and the Nuggets think they have their number one guy in Jokic, and I believe that too. He's an atypical first team guy, or he's an atypical first option on a championship team, but... He's a lot like a Steve Nash or a Magic Johnson or or one of the point guards that really is the first option, but is always going to make everybody around him better. And we have been so conditioned to the massive scoring totals that it's become normalized for a Kevin Durant to be the number one guy or a LeBron James. That's the LeBron James is, in my opinion, the best player of all time. And Kevin Durant is probably the second or third best scorer of all time. And just because those guys came around doesn't mean that you can't win in other ways. And the Dallas Mavericks won in their own way when Dirk Nowitzki was the primary option on that team. That was an atypical champion. And I think the Nuggets will need an atypical year to win a championship because that's just who they are. They're the Denver Nuggets. They're not the Lakers. They are not going to have like the, the assets that the Clippers do in acquiring two top 10 players in one offseason. They are not going to have players that flock to them like Kevin Durant flocking to the Golden State Warriors. They should. They, have, they had the capability. They could have signed LeBron James in 2018 free agency. But LeBron decided to go to L.A. for interest beyond basketball. And that's just not something Denver's ever going to be able to help. So you have to find atypical ways to win a championship. I have caped for both of these guys. I've caped for Jokic as a first-team guy, or first option. And he put up some great numbers in the playoffs last year. 25 points, 13 rebounds, 8.5 assists. The sixth best box plus minus of all time in a playoffs. That's... Among the LeBron Jameses and Michael and Michael Jordans of the world. That's just who, who he is. That's the kind of player he is. I believe that. I think that he can do that in the conference finals or in the NBA finals. It just it depends on who you surround him with. And you have to get creative. And one of those guys is Jamal Murray. Is he good enough to be a second option on a champion? We're going to see. But let's talk about Nikola Jokic first. Um... A lot of people have really blown this March lull that he's in out of proportion. He does this every year. 
just like he does November, and he, and he takes a little bit of time to get into things, get into the swing of the season. In 2017-2018, the first three games of March, he had nine points, nine points, and four points. Three single-digit performances. That's That's atypical of him. He doesn't usually drop off that far. Usually he's in the 10 to 15 point range if he's a little bit low. And he did that in 2018-2019. The third to the sixth game in March in during the 2018-19 season, he had 12 points, 16 points, 18 points, and 11 points. That was kind of his, his low watermark for that year. And it felt bad at the time it was it was a lull that Denver had and they weren't necessarily playing that well and then it looks very similar right now in 2019-20 the first five games of March he had 23 points against the Clippers but ever since then he had 16 points 14 8 and 10 and I mean it didn't look great it's not not gonna lie to you I think they lost three of those games one to the Clippers one to the Warriors and one to the Cavs, so it's not great. It's not like he's playing well, but that's just who Jokic is, and he turns it on when he needs to and rises to the occasion. Right after each of those moments in the his third season and his fourth season, he finished those years on hot streaks. The first game that he had coming back from the that lull in his third season he had 36 points against LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers 2018-2019 right after his lull against or let me let me pull that up because I didn't actually have that one pulled up uh crap I clicked on the wrong player but he always seems to come back from these he always does well he always figures it out he knows exactly who he is and what he has to be it doesn't always have to be perfect, and I fully acknowledge that. I fully acknowledge that he isn't a perfect superstar. He never will be. Nobody really is. Um, but yeah, so that first mark, then he had 26 points against the Indiana Pacers. That was a really key performance, and I think he actually had a game-winning... Oh, was that the time? No, that wasn't the time that he got ejected from a Pacers game. That was different. Uh, but I think he had a game-winning shot in that game. Yeah, they won by two points very clearly. Oh, he might have been ejected. That's what it was. Yeah, he didn't get he didn't foul out. He got ejected. That's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> gosh, Mark Davis is awful. Um, I think he's going to do the same thing this time around. He had 29 points. Or he finished 2017-2018 on a hot streak. He had 35 points in game 82. When he was needed, he rose to the occasion. Same thing the next year. Uh, Denver needed a hot streak to secure the second seed. He had 29 points on 26 shots in the season finale. They won that, and then he performed really well in the playoffs, as I talked about. I believe he's going to go on a hot streak over these next seven games. These next, or several, anyway. He has 18 games left. He will figure it out. There's no telling when that streak is actually going to start, when he's going to turn it on, but he knows... He knows how to do this. He knows how to be the leader of this team and be the top scorer. I know, I think he's going to show up in the playoffs as well. There's always a chance that he doesn't, but he hasn't given anybody any reason to doubt that he will. He shows up for big moments. He plays really, really well. I think he's going to be fine. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about Jamal Murray. 
uh, because I think that is probably where people draw the line in terms of their their acceptance of the Nuggets as playoff contenders, as championship hopefuls. Uh, Nikola Jokic, they can get behind. He acquitted himself last year as a top 10 player, has played really well this year, is in the top five of most MVP ballots, I would hope. He definitely deserves it. Uh, Jamal Murray, though, he hasn't made an all-star game. Uh, Very many people are curious whether he's going to live up to his contract. And let's be clear for a bit. He's in his fourth season. He's in the last year of his rookie deal. He's not paid right now to be the player that he was paid to be, that he will be paid to be. You would hope that he shows progress, uh, but he's not going to develop overnight. He's not going to just immediately become a superstar. That's very rare. It's very rare for people to make that strong of a leap. Uh, Jason Tatum did it in the middle of this year, and everybody's talking about Jason Tatum now as, as a result. But he still goes through his lulls, too. He's had a really rough couple of games. Jamal Murray, ever since coming back, has been really, really good. Um, Let me give you some numbers. This year, 43% of Murray's games have yielded at least 20 points. 39% last year. So he upped that by 4%. It's not much, but it's something. This year, 56% of Murray's games have yielded 5-plus assists. Last year, it was 52%, so another 4% improvement. It's incremental, but it's good enough. This year, 56% of Murray's... or Excuse me, 57% of Murray's games this year have yielded multiple threes made. Last year, it was 56%. And he was even shooting a higher percentage from three last year, so... He has been more consistent and slightly more productive this year, despite having to share the ball with Will Barton, who has been playing really well and deserves to play. But Jokic has also increased his averages. Other guys have needed the ball. Monte Morris still needs the ball when he's out there. Jeremy Grant still gets opportunities. Paul Millsap and Gary Harris are the fourth and fifth options, but occasionally they get opportunities too. So it's not like Murray has, like last season there were, (coughs) excuse me, there were significant segments of the year where Torrey Craig, Wancho Hernan Gomez, and Mason Plumlee were in Denver's starting lineup, all three at the same time. And it was just Murray and Jokic, and those guys got to play a lot, and it's just like that. Murray hasn't had that opportunity this year. He hasn't been in a lot of situations where, He and Jokic are the only guys, and he knows that he has to take a lot of shots and be really productive. But he's still been more productive. He has still been slightly better, and the real improvement has been his consistency. It's not going to be perfect. He's still going to have a stinker every now and then, but his good performances have come more frequently. He hasn't exploded as a scorer. He hasn't exploded as a a passer, but he's getting better. And we're going to turn around, and he's going to be averaging 19 to 20 points and 5 to 6 assists in a year or two. And he's going to be up close to 60% true shooting. And we're going to have to start looking at those numbers like, okay, how many players in the NBA actually do this? How many players are this productive, especially as second options? 
especially in an offense like Denver's, where he has to share the ball a ton. He may have to share the ball a ton next year with Michael Porter Jr. Jeremy Grant's going to be in the starting lineup, and he's more versatile than Paul Millsap. He may be a guy who carries the load a little bit. Will Barton will probably be in the starting unit. So he he may not be a 25-point-per-game scorer. That's probably not what he's going to turn into. And people have to understand that, that even though Denver paid a significant amount of money, a max contract, what Murray turns into may not be an all-NBA player. He could. He still has that ceiling, in my opinion. If he was on a different team where he got to pound the ball a ton and and really develop his off-the-dribble game, then maybe he does. Maybe he averages 24-7, and looks a lot like Zach Levine isn't necessarily a better player, but gets a lot more shots. I think he's working towards being a winning basketball player, and he's made a lot of winning plays, and there are several segments during these games where the Nuggets turn to Murray and where Murray turns it on, and they just go, and they just figure it out. They give the ball to Murray, and he gets the bucket. That's what he does, and I think he's great. I think he I think he knows how to do this. I think he's going to rise to the occasion. He's still 23. And Steph, Dame, James Harden, these guys, they weren't great against ball pressure at 23 as well. They weren't great when defended against defended by Kawhi Leonard or OG Ananobi or great one-on-one defenders with a ton of length. They had their learning moments. Murray's having his. He's trying to figure it out, and he will figure it out. I have a lot of confidence in that. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in these playoffs because I think there's a real chance that he's going to score a ton. He averaged about 21 points per game last year. I think he has a real chance to get up over 23 this year. 23, 24 points per game. The Nuggets are going to go to him pretty often. He's going to have the ball in his hands a ton. And the Nuggets have started really staggering Jokic and Murray so that Murray is on the floor in all of the minutes that Jokic is not. That's not how it was last season. Last season, uh, Murray and Jokic shared the floor a ton together. And the segments that they didn't play or that they weren't on the floor, those were the playoff segments where Denver really struggled, where it was the Morris, Beasley, Plumlee, Barton, Quartet, Maybe Millsap was out there. Maybe Torrey Craig was out there. But those units struggled. Murray's going to be out there this year. And I think he's going to be well. I think he's I think he's going to do well. Plays well off of Monte Morris. Plays well off of Nikola Jokic when he's out there. I think he's going to be pretty good. And the narrative is going to change around him a ton. Because when Denver makes it to the second round, or maybe even to the conference finals... And Murray's averaging 23-24 points per game in a playoff series because the Nuggets need him. People are going to change their tune. That's my feeling. That's my opinion. When we come back, we're going to talk about going forward, how this Nuggets team is going to react to the rest of the year. Again, they've got 18 games left to go. We'll talk about all of those when we come back. We're back, Nuggets Numbers, final segment for you. 
Let's talk about going forward because I think this is really important in discussing where the Nuggets are, what they want to be, where the where fans hope they finish, where the Nuggets think they can finish, what's reasonable, what's not. So, current record, the Nuggets are 43-21. and 21. They have played 64 games. That means they have 18 left to go. 11 of those games are against teams that are currently in the playoffs. They're currently in the 16-team playoff field. So, 11 of 18. The seven that aren't are the Spurs twice, the Bulls twice, the Warriors again, at Portland and at Sacramento. A couple of those that stand out, the, the Spurs are still trying to make the playoffs. The Bulls look bad. The Warriors have Steph Curry back, and he'll probably play in that game, but I think Denver wins that one. Uh, Sacramento and Portland are still trying to get to the playoffs. and But I think the fun aspect of this is I really do think the Nuggets have an opportunity to eliminate Portland from the playoffs on their home floor. That would be pretty sweet after they eliminated the Nuggets on their home floor in the second round of the playoffs last year. Uh, the Blazers are five games back right now in the loss column of the Memphis Grizzlies, who are currently in the eighth seed. Memphis is 31-31. and 31. So if they go 500 the rest of the way, that means they'll have they'll be a 41 and 41. 41 losses. Uh, the Blazers right now have 37 losses. So it would take them a 13 and 4 stretch just to match that. I don't expect them to be in that situation. I think they'll win games and they'll probably win a fair amount of games. Yusuf Nurkic is coming back. That's usually an emotional lift. Um Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum are going to push. They're going to try and get there. They're going to do what they can. They're going to kick, scratch, and claw. Try to figure this out. But they may not be able to. Or at least they may be in a position where Denver is the team that they have to win against in order to keep their playoff hopes alive. In order to figure it out. Because it's going to be a lot of fun if Denver can go into Portland in one of the final games of the year and defeat a team that has Yusuf Nurkic back because it's really fun to sports hate Yusuf Nurkic, to sports hate the Blazers. Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum basically taking it to the Nuggets in Game 7 last year, making sure that they advanced. The Nuggets would have given the, Bla- or would have given the Warriors a lot tougher of a run than the Blazers, who got absolutely creamed in four games. That was without Kevin Durant, too. So, the Blazers, they deserve to lose, let's be honest. They haven't played very well. They're currently like 28-37, and 26-37 and 37 right now. They do not deserve to play well. They do not deserve to win. So, Denver could eliminate them. Alright, back to Denver, though. Of course, Denver 43-21, and 21, 18 games left to go. If they go 5-2 and two or 6-1 and one against those seven non-playoff teams that I talked about, the Spurs, the Bulls, Warriors, etc., if they go 5-2 and two or 6-1, and one, then they'll be in pretty good shape. If they, if they want to get a top three seed, then I think that that's the mark that they have to hit, at least 5-2. and two. They can have a couple of losses, and 
they probably will have a couple of losses. Let's be honest. They're the Nuggets. They lose to sub-500 teams. That's, that's their brand right now. But all that means is that they have to go about 500 against the 11 playoff teams that they're playing. That's 6-5 and five or 5-6. Five and six. Um, Let's say they go 6-5, and five, and let's say they go 5-2 and two against the non-playoff teams. That combines to get to 11-7. and seven. And 11-7 and seven in their final 18 games would put Denver at 54-28 and 28 on the year. That's a pretty conservative estimate. Denver does pretty well against above 500 teams, and I think they could go better than 6-5. and five, But let's keep it at 54-28 and 28 as, the, as the final win total, just for kicks. Utah is the current four seed, and they have 23 losses right now. So if Denver gets to 54-28... and 28, they have 28 losses, and so that means that Utah can only lose five more games at minimum on the year, and Denver could even have the tiebreaker. So if Denver had the tiebreaker against Utah, which I think they will, based off of division record and the fact that they've already beat Utah twice, that means that Utah would have to go 14-4 and in their final 18 games. That's a tough ask for a team that and in the Utah Jazz, who will be playing a, a, another tough schedule. Like, Denver has a tough schedule themselves. But Utah has some tough games on the docket as well. They played they played Toronto tonight and lost to them. They're not in a really good spot. Uh, they go on the road at Oklahoma City on Wednesday. They play the Grizzlies. They play the Lakers. They play the Pelicans. Play the Lakers twice, actually. They play the Spurs twice, who can be finicky. They go on the road to Dallas. They have a real lull there right in late March, early April. Then they play the Nuggets on April 5th, the Clippers on April 7th. They play the Nuggets again on April 14th. So Denver could really help themselves if they win one of those games because a win for them would also mean a loss to the a loss for the Jazz. I think that Denver gets the three seed. I think that they figure it out. I think I would circle 55 wins if I was a Nuggets fan. I would circle the target number for Denver at 55, that if they can hit that number, I think they clinch a top three seed. I don't see another team getting past that. I also don't see the Clippers having less than 55 wins, or if they do, then we'll we'll see where that ends up. Maybe Denver could get the tiebreaker against them and figure it out, but we'll see. So let's say they have the top three seed, which I think is likely. I think they'll have the third seed. After that, I have no idea who's going to get the sixth seed, honestly. Because as we've talked about and as I've shared on my NBA snapshot posts on Denver Stiffs, the Jazz, the Rockets, the Thunder, the Mavericks, they're all separated by about two and a half games. Any one of those teams could fall to six if one of those teams loses to the other when they're on the road or when they're at home. That could clearly change the dynamic. Based on the remaining strength of schedule, I would guess that the team that Denver is most likely to face is Utah and second most likely to face is Dallas. But it could be any of them. It could be Oklahoma City. It could be Houston. No matter who it is, though, I think Denver will be challenged. They could win any of those series. They, could, they should win every single one of those series, but no matter what, they will be tested. All of those teams have good players. I mean, Utah has the defensive player, or it's probably the runner-up for defensive player of the year this year in Rudy Gobert. Uh, Houston, of course, has James Harden and Russell Westbrook. 
OKC is Chris Paul. They've got a bunch of competent players. And then Dallas is Luka Doncic, who kind of like James Harden, in all honesty, kind of like LeBron James, kind of like one of those big wings that Denver generally struggles with. So we'll see how that goes. And Kristaps Porzingis is playing the best he's ever played right now. Um, The Nuggets haven't played Kristaps Porzingis at his best yet. That could be a pretty big issue. Like, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. And I have faith in Nikola Jokic figuring it out, and he would probably punish that team on the other end. But they could score a lot of points. I'd I'd be a little bit more fearful of the Mavericks than I was probably a week or so ago. So, all right. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of Nuggets Numbers. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, once again, we're having a watch party on Friday at College Inn going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to getting to meet everybody again. Have it, had a lot of fun at the last watch party. You should go. Uh, also going to continue to donate to the charity because that's important. We love helping people in need. That's who we are. We are the Stiffs. We are a good group and I greatly appreciate you guys. I greatly appreciate being a part of this team. This has been a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. Wouldn't trade it for anything. That's going to do it. I'll see you guys next week.